Hi, I am Nicole J. Georges. I am a queer, feminist, vegan cartoonist, teacher, and advice columnist living in Portland, Oregon with my half-blind chihuahua, Ponyo Georges. <coughs> Welcome to our podcast, Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. What's the Today on Sagittarian Matters, advice about love, roommates, buying a house, rumors, and more. With guests Tara Perkins, Michelle T, Pigeon Pagonis, and to start us off, senior citizen friend, B. Neal. I have been volunteering at a senior citizen day center in North Portland for almost 10 years. For at least eight of those years, I have been embedded with a clique of old ladies. The funniest person in the clique is B. Neal. B. Neal is a former professional bowler who lives in Portland and is in her 80s. I interviewed her and asked her advice questions a few weeks ago with the help of my friend Heather Rigby, who um, recorded everything and gave a little bit of input during the interview. So thank you to Heather Rigby. Um, In this advice interview, we talk about Bee's dream first date. We talk about getting older, and I answer some questions that people sent me on Facebook. Please enjoy. What if you went on a first date right now? Where would you go? Uh, usually when I go out, first thing I want to do is eat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. I know somebody told me they don't eat, you know, while they're drinking. I told her, I do. I said, That's a, I, I say, if I got something to eat, I'm eating, I'm eating it. It don't bother me. So if you went on a first date, you would say, okay. Let's go eat. <laughs> Let's go eat. Where are we going to eat? Yeah, where? I'm trying to think. First thing they'd probably take me to McDonald's or someplace. McDonald's, very romantic date. Yeah. <laughs> the the drive through or would you, you go? Drive, we go inside. <laughs> no, we go to, to to the drive, you know. <laughs> McDonald's, what, what's that? A Burger King. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so on your perfect first date, they pick you up and immediately drive you to McDonald's. <laughs> you get out of the car, you get a nice booth. What do you get? Like a Happy Meal? No. <laughs> <laughs> a Happy Meal? Okay, no. What would I get? I get a burger. Make sure I get a Coke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's important. <laughs> to, to, wash, to wash down the burger. Yeah. Let's see, what else do you get? Fries? Fries, yeah. Apple pie? Yep. Wow. That's after pie. That's that's good. That's good. And then, what would you do after that on your dream date? Let's see. What would, what would we do afterward? We'll go. Let's see. If it's in the evening, we wait a while. Then we go to 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 the to the bar. Not you know yeah. to we have, you know what bar? I don't know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your date chooses the bar. Yeah. He, he he would have to. Or we go to a club, you know, in the evening. Would you dance? 
I might. Mm-hmm. I might mm-hmm. dance mm-hmm. a little. Mm-hmm. Or you just sit and drink. Yeah. Be cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and then and then you would have him take you to drop you off at your house afterwards? Yes, no no other place to go. Yeah. Most time they want to go to the to to the to the uh what you call it? Where you go and eat and stay. Hotel? Yeah, motel. You think someone won't take you to a motel yeah. to stay? You know, men's men's are stupid. <laughs> They're crazy. So then, what would you say if he was like, "So, what do you want to do? Should we go to a motel?" No, take me home. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, "But I bought you McDonald's." That's all right. <laughs> I could have bought my own McDonald's. <laughs> okay, so then he takes you home, and you're sitting outside of your house. Because most time when I go out, I had 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 my own money anyway. Mm-hmm. I I make always make sure. Had enough money to go to get a, you know, if he if he got out of line to get a cab to go home. That's a smart move. Just take me H O M E home. Mm-hmm. If we we don't go no place else, just home. Mm-hmm. Home, Jim. Jim, <laughs> take me home. <laughs> yeah, let's go. So then he takes you home. Can we go someplace? Nope, just home. <laughs> He's like, what if we? No. No. Like how about how about we go to this lookout point, make out point? No, I don't want to do that. All right. So then you're outside of your house. I get out the car. Yeah. And kiss him on the jaw. Say good good night. Kiss him on the ni- jaw. Had a nice time. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. And then if and then, do you call him? Nope. You don't. You wait for him to call you. If he call, if you don't call, fine. Ah, I like that. It's very zen. You're like, you know what? Fine. Yep. You don't have to call. Goodbye. I had a nice time. See you later. So then, uh, on the second date, would he have to take you somewhere better than the first date? Well, I would like to go better m- m- than McDonald's. <laughs> more McDonald's. I like we're moving through this relationship. <laughs> I would want to go to a place other than McDonald's. Like a Wendy's? That's like McDonald's. <laughs> oh, like Red Robin. That's still like McDonald's. Mm. What do you think is, so what kind of place would you want to go? Let's see, what other, other places besides McDonald's? Burgerville? That's McDonald's. Oh, Applebee's? <laughs> Applebee's? We can go someplace other than them places. Steakhouse. Yeah, Steakhouse. Uh-huh. I'm going to Ruth Chris's Steakhouse. Yeah, somebody's Steakhouse. <laughs> somebody's Steakhouse. Doesn't have to be Ruth. Could be someone else's. <laughs> okay, so then you have him taking you to a Steakhouse on the second date. Yep. Because if he had a McDonald's again, we go home. We take just take. We don't go nowhere. So he pulls up to the McDonald's for the second date. You're like, you know what? I don't. I don't want to eat here. Let's, let's take me home. <laughs> there you go. But B. But B. Nothing. Just take me home. <laughs> I don't want to go here. Can we go to the motel instead? No, no, we don't go there either. Just home. Just home. Can I come in? No. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, What if he tried to take you on a vacation on the second date? Oh, that would be lovely. (laughs) Someone has asked me out before, and for the first date, they were like, what if we go to a location, like, like a place in California or something? And I was like, whoa, I don't know. I really don't know. You know what? You know how you know that men don't. It's not like that anymore. 
They won't take you McDonald's. They won't take you. Around. They won't take you someplace, and they fill you up on drinks. Mm. Mm-hmm. They rather buy you a drink than buy you food. Yeah. They get. You, they feel like they get you loaded. They can take. They can have their way. Yeah. I rather eat. <laughs> You're like, give me some of those snacks. Give me, give me, give me all, all you gonna buy on drinks. You just get by buying food. You know, I like to eat. Me too. Me too. Well, and then also, if you eat, you're not gonna get too drunk. No. How do you have a limit of how many drinks you would have so that you don't? Well, I'd say I have about two, about three, and that's it. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't get me drunk. Take me no no place else. Mm-mm. Would you ever carry like mace in your purse? You know, like some kind of like pepper spray. Yeah, I would, but I don't have none. Mm. I never have had any. Mm-hmm. I haven't had too much trouble like that, you know. Yeah, like what do you need to be happy now? Well, I need to be happy. Yeah, like on a day to day basis. Like I need. To not have to talk to anyone in the morning. I need coffee. I need to spend some quality time with the dog. And I need to draw every day. And alone time. Don't you get that now? Yeah. That's what I need to be happy every day. <laughs> <laughs> so now I get it. I get it, but because I, I had to like figure that out. Because I would be in other situations and you're like, why am I so unhappy? And I'm like, I don't have good things. You don't have to think? Well, I didn't, I didn't have the things that I needed, you know, like times where I have to be around people all day long and they're like, how's it going? Are you making coffee? What's that? Good morning. Nice pajamas. Oh, like just like talking, 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 talking. I like to be around people. You do? Are you kind of an extrovert? Like do you get energy from being around other people? Well, I don't know. I probably could take my own energy, but... <laughs> but I mean, I, yeah, I like. I, I don't like to, you know. I don't like to be by myself. Mm. Are you ever by yourself at your house? Yeah, sometimes, mm-hmm. but not not often. Yeah, I'm rarely a hundred percent alone because I always have the dog with me. You always have a dog there, right? Yeah, but they're outside. Oh, really? Oh. So, like, when you're sitting watching TV, the dog isn't sitting in your lap. Um, someone said, if there's one thing I should prepare for as a senior citizen, what should it be? I didn't prepare myself when I got to be a senior citizen. I didn't prepare myself to be one. I just, <laughs> I just, yeah, I just ended up, ended up one. <laughs> and glad to still be. I just ended up being a senior citizen. Yeah. But, you know, I, did, I didn't prepare myself for it, you know. <laughs> Is there anything you would have done to prepare more? No. No? No. So, like stretch or something or take vitamins? I take vitamins now. Great. But I didn't prepare myself for it. <laughs> the person also says, Is sex still sexy? But that seems. No. 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 No, because I don't hate do it no more, so. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're not, like, actively looking to date? No. Really? No. Do people ask you out? No. Really? No. Like, not here? No. Because, you know, like, Judy will, like, have boyfriends. Good. 
<laughs> you don't want a boyfriend. I don't need. I don't, what do I need a boyfriend for? I don't know. They, 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 they trouble. Yeah. They're, they're, they're trouble. When was the last time you had a boyfriend? Oh, man. It's been over five years, four or five years ago. So, did, did you make a decision after that, like no more boyfriends? Or you just, it just didn't come up? <laughs> Don't need no boyfriend. I do good by myself. I think you do great by yourself. I can live good by myself. I don't have to put some fight with no boyfriend, no husband, no nothing. I do all right. What's the worst part about having a boyfriend? Some of them is worse than a kid. Could you have to take care of them? Some of them. Mm -hmm. Some of them look for you to you know, do a whole lot of things for them. Things I don't do for my kids, you know. Like what? That was a surprising thing to me when I started coming here was realizing that, like, I just always imagined that older ladies would be like, I miss my husband and just crying all the time. But you guys were like, no way. I didn't miss him. The girl, when she killed him, she did me a favor. Somebody killed your ex-husband? My husband. Your husband? Somebody killed your husband? Who killed your husband? Another woman. A woman that he was messing around with? Right. While you were married? Right. What? He was a dog. B, this is a scandal. He was a dog. Straight up and down, D-O-G, dog. How long were you married? A little over 10 years. But he still was a dog. He was dogging around? Yes. Did you know? Well, yeah. But what could I do? Yeah. I left him. Mm-hmm. And then he was dating some other woman, and then she killed him? Well, it's a long story, but yeah. you know. Did she go to jail? I don't know what happened to her. Oh. I didn't keep up with it. So after, so when he, but when he died, you probably were very shocked and sad. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> what y'all want me to say? I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Huh? I never knew that. I knew once you told me that if he was in purgatory, you would stomp him down so he could be in hell where he belongs. I would still stomp him down further. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to. Did you go to his funeral? Uh, yeah. Did you go, boo! <laughs> you know? nope. Holy cow. Well, I never knew that. Do you tell that to new boyfriends? To who? Like new boyfriends? Don't got one. That's true. What would you do if somebody asked you out right now? I'll go. Really? Yeah. If they said, I'll, can I please take you to McDonald's? No. No? I thought that was your dream date. What's your dream date? I don't want to go to McDonald's. You want to go to a steakhouse? Why not? Yes. Great. No, I don't eat that much, much, many steaks. Because they don't fix my steaks like I want them. How do you want them? Well, well done. I don't want to see that red around, around in, in that meat. Mm -hmm. They don't understand. So where would, would no you the people that fix it don't understand. I went to, to to out we you know, bowling. We went up to this to this you know place, and I sent the sent the steak back. I I usually don't order steak. Mm 
But I happened to order steak that day. And when they brought it to me, you know, I sent that steak back three times. I told him, I said, I told him, I said, look, I said, I paid for, I, see, we paid for the, the, the meals at the alley. Yeah. I had already paid for the meal, so I want it like I want it. Yeah. So I sent it back three times. So when I sent it back, I told him, I said, next time, I said, look, if you got to burn it, burn it. I said, I don't want to see that red. Did they burn it? They did. They, they fixed it where I liked it. But I, I told him, I don't want to see, I don't, you know what? I don't use you go. go out, I don't. I don't use the other state. Yeah. Cause they, you know, they they make it rare, too rare. I don't want. I don't. I don't want no rare state. Yeah. I want well done. Yeah. All the way through. Yeah. All right. Do you have any last advice for young people? Stay as long as you can. You just stay as young as you can. What do you mean? Don't get you know, don't don't get knocked up. You know. Because the young people, they, they go out and have, have these babies. They don't have, have, have them don't know what to do with it, you know. So, you know, stay, stay a child as long as you can, you know. They, you know, don't get grown too quick. Do you think that having a kid makes you, kind of ends your childhood? Yep. All right, don't get knocked up. Yep. It, it, it ends your childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have advice for young men? No. Just stay out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> That's good advice. Stay at a beast face. Unless you want to take her to a steakhouse. No. Or... Michelle T. is a series regular on Sagittarian Matters. She is also the author of the books A Mermaid in Chelsea Creek and Valencia, as well as the upcoming Black Wave, which will be out in September. Michelle joined me from her home in Los Angeles to offer some advice about buying a house and when to say I love you. Hi, Nicole. I really need your advice. I'm at that time in my life where I'm looking to buy a home and kind of settle down in a more domestic kind of way. But I can't figure out if it's better to stay in the city where I live and pay an extreme amount of money just to live close to food and friends and gay things, or if I should move somewhere cheaper and be like an hour away from the city and have a better quality of life, but be in gay and food isolation. Um, not sure what to do. I'm almost pushing 40, and I need to make these decisions soon. Let me know what you think. Thanks. It's a really tough question, and the reason that I find it tough is because She's not explaining how her quality of life would be improved if she moved outside the city. Yeah. She says that it would be a better quality of life, but I don't understand how. Because she's just saying the food won't be as good, there won't be any gay people. And to me, those are the, those things are sort of the cornerstones of like having a good quality of life. Like not necessarily gay things, like as you get older at forty five, I kinda feel like I don't necessarily, it's like I don't go to gay bars or anything like that, but still it's nice to like walk down the street and see like, I don't know, I was getting a manicure today and there were two gay boys in there. And that's just, it's just nice, you know, it's just nice to look over and see some gay boys getting a manicure. Um, like that's, that's a quality of life issue for me. Nice. So I would, I mean, and it sounds like even though it would be expensive for her to buy a place in the city, it sounds like she's still able to avail herself of the good food. So it sounds like she won't have to go into total scarcity 
austerity lockdown, I think she should buy a house in the city if she's going to do it. I've had some time to think about this. I've changed my tune. Initially, I thought no. But now I think, yeah, buy a house in the city. So maybe it would be like, make a list of the things that contribute, that mean quality of life to you. Will you still be able to afford these things if you live in the city? Yeah. And if so, then move forward. Yeah, I mean, I think lists are really great. So, right, if she has, if there are other things, like she would have a giant, beautiful house and she would get to do all these wonderful things that she's always wanted to do, like have a pottery studio or who knows what, you know? Mm-hmm. Have, a, have a miniature donkey. Maybe she would have enough land. If I had enough land to have a miniature donkey, my quality of life would drastically improve. So, yeah, it sounds like she needs to make a list of things that, like, are competing with the game that's in the food, you know? Yeah. Because if it means that she's just going to be eating, like, I don't know, having to go through, like, the Taco Bell drive through and getting gay bashed, I would say stay in the city. <laughs> but maybe it isn't that drastic. Maybe there's also good food there and some gayness, but not quite as much. Maybe she doesn't need gayness quite as much. Maybe she's sort of maintaining a habit about herself that she's had for many years. I think, like, we all do that a little bit or, or run the risk of doing that where you're just like, I'm doing this thing because it was really important to me 15 years ago and I'm just still kind of in the groove. I haven't stopped to think like, oh, do I even care about that anymore? What kind of like, thing? Do I even need to live near a gay bar? You know, like when was the last time I even went to one? Maybe it's not actually important to me. Uh, hi, Nicole. Um, a long-time listener here. Uh, I have a kind of a sensitive uh, question today and um, just wondering if you uh, could give me some advice on uh, how long you think someone should wait before you uh, tell them that um, you actually love them, um, like for real. So I feel like I really love somebody and I just don't know if I should just keep it to myself or not. Um, thank you. Okay, bye. God, I've always been really horrible with this. Like every relationship I ever get in, I'm like, I'm not going to be the one to say it first. Like I'm, I, I'm not going to do it. And then I always do, even with Dashiell Horn married to. Why would you I, not want to be the first. one to say it first? Why not say it first? Yeah. Because in my experience, even though it shouldn't be this way, in like a perfect, beautiful world, it wouldn't be this way. My experience is that you are actually giving some power away when you do that. And like, I don't believe in like romance as being a power play I think it's a bad foot to start off on in a relationship to think of it in terms like that. And yet, I have actually felt that I have sort of disadvantaged myself um, by doing that. And also, I've also said it, not only said it first, but said it like way too early. And then you lose credibility because (laughs) you just lose credibility because people start thinking like, this person doesn't like me. They just like being in love. And like... I remember somebody said that to me once when I was with and I was so offended, but it's kind of true. You know, I, I wasn't in touch with that at the time, but now looking back and especially having an understanding of like um, the different chemicals that happen in your brain when you're infatuated with someone and, and they're hot and you're having fun sex with them, all these crazy chemicals happen and you're basically a complete drug, drug addict right then. Yeah. So, yeah, and so I, I understand that now, and I understand that I was saying I love you, but what I should have been saying is, oh, my God, you have triggered a complete avalanche of dopamine and serotonin in my body, and I feel insane and want to run away and get married with you in Las Vegas and get your name tattooed on my neck. 
you know, <laughs> because it's not necessarily love. It's like insanity. But some people mistake love for insanity, which can be really fun for a long time until it's suddenly not. Like now that I know that, if somebody, if somebody did what I have done and told me they loved me too soon, I would just be like, oh, this person is really sensitive to the chemicals of infatuation and they think they're in love, but they're really just having this experience and it's actually not that much about me and it would make me um, be a little wary of the connection and of the person. Because then I would also think, oh, they've probably done this a lot because if you're wired that way, you're wired that way and you do do it a lot. I mean, I did it a lot, you know? And um, so, yeah, I would just feel like, it's not like I would think that they were insincere and it's not that I would totally write off like being able to build something true and lasting with that person, but I would just, it would just be a little red flag. I'd have to keep my eye out for it. Yeah. I, I feel like when people say it too soon, yes, they lose credibility because we all know that it actually means you're in limerence. And if you don't know the difference yeah. between limerence and love, then that might be a problem at some point. Um, well, you know what I think is confu- has always been confusing for me is that I've, I've learned everything I know about life from song lyrics. And <laughs> in song lyrics, it's like when, you, when people talk about falling in love, they're talking about limerence, right? Yeah, they're like talking about being high on yeah. sex chemicals. Yeah, right. But so when I'm having these, these incredible, overwhelming feelings, I'm like, oh, God, this is like, this is like what it's about like this is that thing that I've been hearing about my whole life in music and in poetry and and in you know books like this is it I'm in love you know this Mm -hmm. is what being in love is so it's almost like like I knew that it wasn't necessarily like when when I felt those feelings and called it love it wasn't that like I knew that that meant like we should get married and that it would last forever it's almost maybe a semantic thing like do you know what I mean am I making any sense Yes. It was like, well, it's, it's I mean, kind of like, you named it. You're high on the potential. Like, like we do call that experience love, falling in love in a lot of, in a lot of places. Yeah. But I, to me, I'm like, if you've known me for two weeks, well, first of all, if you've known me for a week or two and you say, I love you, I'm just like, get out of here. <laughs> get, get out of here. <laughs> like, get out of here, kid. I'll tell you a thing or two about love. <laughs> I'm just like, you don't know me. <laughs> but I, but because because it is, it's, it feels like a scam. I'm just like, but I'm I'm like, um, I, it's not because I don't feel lovable. Of course I'm lovable, but I feel like if you say that that soon, like saying you love somebody is kind of almost the peak of where that relationship's gonna go. So if you say that after a week of knowing somebody and not actually knowing very much about them, where else is there to go after that? And I also feel like, to me, I mean, this is all just from my own, my own crabby, uh, you know, seat on the porch as I look at the neighborhood going, you know, you better can it. You don't know what love is. Um, (laughs) But the other thing I think is like that first moment of limerence, when you still have the magic so hardcore and you've never had a bad experience with them or an awkward experience or you don't know them that well, you've never smelled anything coming from them that you didn't like, like everything is perfect. Like that magic once you puncture that magic, you never get it back. At least not in that way. Like, so do you think that 
saying I love you punctures the magic. I think if you say it too soon and it doesn't mean anything, and so there's nothing else to, like, work up to, maybe hmm. a little bit. Like, I don't – do you know what I mean? I mean, it's different than if you are, like, both in love. I guess this is just a matter of saying it too soon. Like, saying it, like, the first minute the sex chemical hits your brain and you're having sex and you're like, I love you. <laughs> Yeah, no, that would be really, a, that's a bad idea, I guess. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, there's like that, right. like, you turn a corner from it being something that's, like, new and exciting and fresh into something that's, like, more locked down and serious. And it's different. It's not bad. It's just different. But you don't, I don't think you get that, like, original tension back. So interesting, because for me, when I hit that place where I'm saying I love you or wanting to say I love you, mm-hmm. knowing that it is whatever it, it may be, a combination of, who knows what it is. Um, but, like, to me, that now means, like, okay, now things are going to get fucking crazy because I'm in love with you, so <laughs> now what's going to happen? So that's how I feel about it. But I'm an addict, so I'm kind of like, okay, this is great. How can we make it more great? Like, what's the next crazy thing that can happen, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that saying I love you sort of falls into that. It's like, well, now that we've locked it down in this way, now what insanity will, what are we going to do? Now what are we going to do? But, you know, also, not to be astrological about everything. Go ahead. I also, I think that in addition to being incredibly sensitive to those chemicals and being a person who can't, who has a really hard time not sharing every little feeling I'm having. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in addition to all of that, um, I can't explain it. You know, the thought just left me. It just left my brain. Oh. Do you know why? Why? Do you know why? Because I have mom brain. You have mommy brain? I have mom brain, which is a real thing, even though doctors just did a study that disproved it and said it's not real. But guess what? Doctors are men. I don't think there was a single woman on that study. Mom brain is really real. And this thing happens. You're like totally jamming on, on like some sort of intellectual path. And then it's like, it's like, like a, like a roadrunner cartoon. There's suddenly like no road there and you're free falling. And it's because the child sucked all the knowledge out of your head. It's because like a combination of like, like intense sleep deprivation that's been going on for years Mm -hmm. and a sort of like exhaustion that's just become your daily, daily life. Like no bigs. It's just, it's just how it is. And, um, like a, like a kind of perpetual overwhelm. This is what it must be like for reality show contestants. Yeah, it must. And, and even worse for them because they're drunk on top of it. I know. This is like what it's like to be in the Big Brother house. Oh, my God. Um, so I, what do you think is the ideal amount of time? Dan Savage, all right, Dr. Laura says you don't really know somebody till you've known them for a year and a half. So you shouldn't get married till after you've known them for a year and a half. Dan Savage says. That's, I mean, that's good advice. I think a year and a half is a pretty good number. I think it's a very, I think it's a very, um, yeah, I, I think that's a really good number. Knowing Dashiell, as long as you've known Dashiell, do you feel like you knew enough after a year and a half? Oh, yeah. I knew way before that. That's the thing. I, I felt like I knew all of these things, but I'm also, I'm like a little bit of a girl who cried wolf. So even though I kind of knew that I loved her and I knew we were going to be together and I knew she was like the one or whatever, like I knew that we would, you know, have a significant relationship and, and get married and be together for a very long time and hopefully have kids. Like I knew all of this, but I felt like I couldn't really say it as quickly as I knew it because I learned my lesson, mm-hmm. you know, being 
having bad pacing in the past and knowing that even if I do really feel like I know something and even if my feelings are true, um, it doesn't matter. It can kind of screw things up and I didn't want to screw anything up. You know? Mm -hmm. I think that, so, um, and you knew that Dashiell was your, your true love or somebody who you could be with for a very significant portion of your life because mm -hmm. everything was on the level and there was no game playing and there was not yeah. like that weird yearning feeling of let me prove to them or do they like me or, you know, like that, like anxiety yearning. That's different than like a comfortable, that. secure longing. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Even my sister was like, this is really different because like when I visited my sister, she's like, usually when you're dating somebody, all you do is text them and look at your phone the whole time. I'm like, oh God, it's so sad. It's really true. And it's just like, I wasn't doing that. It's not because I didn't love hearing from her, but there just wasn't that anxiety, anxiety component to it. I was also medicated. So that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I, um, I think also, Oh, this is, I remember what I was going to say before my, my, um, Please. mommy hormones stole my thought is that there's also something about the anxiety and saying, I love you really quickly where it's almost like in, in a funny way, it's a way of trying to control the relationship. What do you mean? I don't know. There's just something where it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to move this chess piece right now and get things rolling <laughs> because I have, I'm anxious about where this is going. I have a hard time sitting with the sort of unknown fuzzy part of a relationship where maybe it's going to work. Maybe it isn't. All I know is it feels really good right now. I want to keep feeling really good. So I'm just going to put everything on the table right now. So I don't have to sit in the unknown. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of attitude and anxious. And, um, yeah, I have a hard time not knowing, like, exactly where I stand with somebody and what their intentions are and exactly how they feel about me. And I'm sure I'm not the only person that feels like that. But for me, it always has felt like I, I've had a really hard time being in that place. But I think that after, you know, being older by the time I dated Dashiell, I felt just, like, such a peace around it. Like, I just really trusted our connection. I trusted that, like if it really was everything that I kind of thought it was going to be, then I didn't need to control it. I didn't need to force anything. I didn't need to be anxious about it. It wasn't up to me to make it happen, which I always felt like it's up to me to make this relationship sort of really happen. Yeah. You know, I yeah. didn't feel any of those things, which is really cool. I, again, a lot of it is like medication. Yeah. But also it's nice if somebody meets you 50, 50, somebody's meeting you there. So yeah, you don't absolutely. feel like you have to be pulling the relationship forward because you're yeah. just both there. Yeah. But not in a maniacal way where you're both like, let's yeah. see who can race the other one to the altar faster. Um. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like two sex and love addicts in love. <laughs> that sounds so fun. <laughs> I'm going to so, tell you what, that sounds really fun to me. Two sex and love addicts in love. Yeah. I mean, I did that, and it was, it was, like, really fun sex, but also, like, I don't know if I would even say it was really fun. I mean, it was really intense. The highs were very high, and the lows were very low. I think I did that when I was, that. like, 23, and I was like, this is the best feeling I've ever felt in my whole life. And then when it was over, I was like, I want to kill myself. Yeah. So. It's like that, like, every day. Yeah. So, maybe not so great. For the adult, uh, healthy life, but um, yeah, it really depends <laughs> on the 
depends on what you want because there was a time where well, all I really wanted was to like fall in love on the first date and then <laughs> go off and get like married in Vegas and do something insane. Like I wanted that, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, that's what you want. If that just holds an irresistible romantic grip on your imagination, then mm-hmm. like maybe you just need to see that through and to see what that actually is really like. You know? <laughs> it and sounds can... so horrifying to me because I'm just like, what kind of monstrous quality is this person hiding? <laughs> and I'm going to be yeah, legally bound to them. <laughs> yeah. And they are. And then you'll be married to them. And that could be your story. <laughs> I mean, you can always get divorced. I mean, not to be so cavalier, but it's not like... Well, you get divorced, you get to pay like money to... You're not going to be stuck with this person forever. You're just going to have, like, a bullshit amount of, like, paperwork probably, right? Yeah, but they can even, like, steal your identity. If you don't know someone at all after a first date. <laughs> yeah. You really don't. <laughs> well... I often feel like the anti-Cupid... I often what? feel like I'm just like taking Cupid's arrow and just like breaking it over my knee. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> you have all that Capricorn in your chart. So, you know, like you don't want things to get out of control. Capricorns <laughs> no. do not want things to get out of control. That is like the worst, 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 worst for Capricorn. And you know something, maybe this is again, why, why I, Bizarrely, I, I felt like I was sort of getting a little bit of control over saying I love you and like bringing it to that point early on. Mm-hmm. Um, is because my Venus is in Capricorn, so in a way, I have like the rest of my chart is insanity. It's like Aquarius and Sagittarius. It's like I should be like living on like a fucking farm, like like a commune of people, a sex commune, spinning a <laughs> spinning a wheel to see who my lover is that week. Like that's kind of what my astrological destiny would be. If not for this Venus and Capricorn, which wants to lock shit down. Wants it wants signatures. So I feel like in the midst of all this insanity where I'm losing myself and I'm going so crazy, there's a part of it that's like, okay, but wait, are, are you in love with me? Are we in love with each other? Okay. All right, then let's go. You know, it's like, I don't know. But that's just me. Everyone, listen, anyone who ever has a problem should get their astrological chart done and then should get a tarot reading. If you really want to know anything. <laughs> if you really want to know anything, that's a thing to do. You know what? That's I'm always grateful do. for my Capricorn because... <laughs> yeah, it probably changed your life. Because my Sagittarius wants, so, wants really inappropriate things. Yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. Sagittarius wants totally inappropriate things in everything. Yeah. I know. And a good time all they the time. They kind of want to pervert everything. <laughs> Wait. They want to pervert everything. And Aquarius does too. So I have a lot of these desires to sort of make everything weird and perverted. And then I have this Capricorn thing being like, it's fine if you do as long as you're in love. Wait, I have to tell you this perverse thing I tried to do. I don't really talk okay. about sex in the podcast, but here we go. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> but I, you know, I was getting into these ASMR videos and I was getting into this... ASMR video? Yeah. Do you know what those are? No. S as in snake. Um, they're videos where where people are whispering or it's it's stimulating something in your brain by like doing something very gently or like crinkling paper. There are these videos where people... It's just like will be a video of someone brushing their hair or like crinkling paper gently oh my god we're talking in a soothing voice and it like stimulates some weird part of your brain 
And I was watching one. I got really into this one that was called like um, supportive friend role play, which is very sad. But I would watch it and I'd oh be like, it's like a girl being like, hey, did you have a bad day? How are you doing? <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I, I really understand. That sounds so hard for you. <laughs> and like the ASMR oh woman is, God. she's the perfect friend. Anyway, from there I got, I followed a link to like some tiny food videos where it was this long video of somebody preparing this feast, but the feast was like the size of an eraser, an eraser head, like so tiny, like they were making like tiny cupcakes or something and it's real food and they're just, it's a, it's a real human's hands, but they're just making this. And I was like, why do people watch these? Like they had millions of views, these tiny food videos. I was like, why do people watch these tiny food videos? Is it a fetish? I was like, they must be getting some sexual charge out of it. I was like, I'm going to try to beat off to this tiny food video (laughs) (laughs) and see what happens. Because I had some time on my hands. I had some time on my hands and I was like, I'm not not turned on right now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it, it, it worked kind of. I don't know if I, like, I kind of had to be like, you have to think about tiny food the whole time. <laughs> like, that was the rule. Um, I don't know. It, it worked kind of. Like, just because I, I willed it to, not because yeah. I actually was turned on by tiny food videos. But um, look up ASMR and tiny food and maybe, I don't know. <laughs> that's the pervert. That's the most perverted thing I would like to say on the podcast. God, it's funny when things like that are what's really perverted. Like somebody talking in a soothing voice is actually the creepiest thing of all. Oh, like this woman doing haircut role play? She's like, okay, so you want to trim today? Mm-hmm. What? Why? <laughs> oh, my God. Why? That is so great. But, like, I just don't understand it. I want to understand it. I have not beat off to her. Like, she's too outwardly sexy. Just, like, it makes too much sense. I was waiting for the person to, like, uh, put miniature okay. strawberries on top of a miniature cupcake. And then, like, cut up a miniature <laughs> carrot. It's like, all right, I'm going for it. Pigeon Pagonis is an intersex activist, an artist and a friend of mine who was visiting Portland from Chicago a couple of weeks ago. Pigeon found my copy of Emily Post's etiquette book, Manners for a New World, and we were reading it and talking about it, and then this advice question about roommates came up, and so we discussed roommates here on the podcast. Um, Pigeon is going to be on an upcoming season of Transparent, which is very exciting, but even more exciting than that is that I have an upcoming interview with Pigeon coming up on Sagittarian Matters, so keep your eyes out. And in the meantime you can go to their website, pigeonismy.name. Okay, please enjoy our advice. Hi, Nicole. I'm a big fan of your show, and I have a question for you. Um, could you offer some advice um, on your um, podcast uh, on how to be a good roommate? Maybe some tips or pointers or even just basics would be good because um, I feel like this is um, a topic that needs to be discussed and examined. Um, a lot of us have roommates. A lot of us think we're good roommates, maybe have a little room for improvement. So on behalf of myself and other people, 
with roommates. Um, yeah, uh, that's my question. Thanks so much. Bye. Pigeon, can we briefly talk about roommates? Sure. Okay. You have roommates. I've used to have roommates. I only have one roommate now. So um, I want to say that we are looking at a book that's Emily Post's etiquette, Manners for a New World. Um, and it says a good roommate is honest about his own lifestyle and living habits, understands and is honest about his expectations for others and himself, is willing to handle problems in an effective and reasonable manner, and allows consideration, honesty, and respect to be his guide. I really like this section. I like this part too. Okay. I'm, this is a, this is just world. This is just advice for everybody. I'm going to give you a quiz. Mostly for myself though. <laughs> I'm going to give you a quiz. Okay, go ahead. Okay, Pigeon. You come home every day and your roommate hasn't lifted a finger to clean. You could A, ignore your roommate's laps and suffer silently, regretting ever having agreed to live together. Hmm. B, get angry but not tell her why. You figure that sufficient silent treatment and terse remarks will do. <laughs> C, clean everything yourself and lay a hefty guilt trip on your roommate by pointing out all that you do. <laughs> or D, talk reasonably about the problem. Well, Nicole. <laughs> what's, what's your real answer? <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so I've done A, B, and C, and I've rarely done D. Mm -hmm. How have they worked out for you? They've never worked out. Um, <laughs> they just they give me stomach cramps. They make me clean incessantly. I get upset at everybody. I hate everything, everybody. Um, but the, the, the talking one, the D, where you just talk reasonably, that's mm -hmm. my life goal with everything, not even just the cleaning thing. But I, yeah. I just grew up not talking. Like, I talk, like, forever. I could talk forever, as you can tell. But I never talked about emotions. And, and when my therapist taught me, he's like, whenever I ask you to tell me how you're feeling, like, emotionally, I would crack a joke or I would change the subject. And same with, like, roommate stuff. Like, I just, I'll think about it for weeks. Like, how to ask someone nicely to just, like, do something differently. Mm -hmm. And usually it just never comes out. And then it just sits in me. My mom used to always say, like, it's bottled up and you just let it out. It's going to feel so much good if you just feel so much better if you just let it out. And I just, it would always just stay here, like, in my throat. And that's how I am with roommates now. And I just avoid stuff, like, the simplest questions or requests. What about you? Me, I try to communicate. My roommate right now is pretty good, so I don't, we don't have a lot of, problems before I would just I don't know what I would do I think at a certain point I had to reach acceptance where I like because I used to like just like resent if there were dishes right and at a certain point I had to just be like you know what I don't want these dishes to be here and I also don't want to harass somebody else so like what's the greater good right now right just scrubbing mm -hmm. these extra two or yeah being pissed for the next two or being pissed um but I, I mean I kind of feel like all these other things like all these things where you're like the suffering martyr are pretty codependent yes. where you're like, I just want you to see how much I'm suffering for our home. Yes. And it makes me think of how I've actually said that. <laughs> I'm sure I have too, but I'm, it makes me think of how in therapy it's like, well, sure. You feel like this other person's doing something to you, but right. your thoughts are doing something to, to yourself them. Yeah. Like, to both. Like you have the same kind of violence or the same kind of like unkindness uh -huh. in your thoughts. 
Yeah. So like you're staring yeah. at them, and even though you're not saying the thing you need to say because you don't want to make it weird, you become it is weird. To them. Yeah, they can tell it's weird. Like anytime somebody who grew up in that way right. is like, I have a huge problem, and tension. I'm not telling anybody, and yeah. no one's going to be able to tell. It's like, oh, oh, we can tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so I struggle to get out of that. Like sometimes I'll be in uncomfortable situations and there's something I could say, but I just, sometimes I don't feel like it at the time. Yeah. Like it takes too much energy for me. And then I know that I'm messing up the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just doing the best I can. And then you know every you're day. messing up the vibe. Like I saw someone the other day who I have like beef with that's eight years old and I saw them randomly and they were being super friendly and I was like, <laughs> and I just like in that moment could not deal with processing with them in public about this eight year old issue we had yeah and so I just was like sure and like I kind of could tell they maybe thought I was acting a little bit weird yeah but just in the moment I was like I totally want to be polite to this person I want to be kind to them I can't deal with processing right now yeah I just maybe later I don't know yeah but that kind of thing did you ever read that book the magical something of tidiness it's like no the magical the life-changing something of tidying up no okay I read it yeah and there's a line about like it's better to just like how, it's like how to deal with roommates who don't clean or family members who don't clean and you do or whatever you keep tidy and her suggestion was like just do it because it brings you joy don't do it because you think you're like you know t- like you know don't be resentful they're just like do it yeah. and then your joy might inspire them to do it so i'm like hell yeah okay i'm just gonna do that my roommate never noticed though she could care less like i had the yeah. book out on the table for six months and she never and she wants she told me she wanted to look at it but she never did Mm-hmm. Eventually, just gave it away to someone else. But, <laughs> but like those things for me work temporarily. Like I reading to me is really powerful. Like I read this book today, and there was just some certain simple things. Like I've always been like fuck etiquette. I'm never gonna read a book about fucking etiquette. Mm-hmm. Today I read a book about etiquette, and I'm like, oh, this is how I can smooth things over with my neighbors. Like I just have to read something, and then I'm very impressionable, and I'll just be like, okay, I'll try that. That's gonna change everything. But um, yeah. It's hard. I think it's hard living with three people. Mm. Not as hard to live with two people. I feel like there's always a third. Three people. A third wheel or like there's always like a gang up on a third person. Oh, yeah. Or you can talk shit at you. That's annoying. Yes. There's triangulation always. Which isn't helpful. Wait. Don't let things fester, says this book. While it's a good idea. It's better not to fester. So while it's a good idea to wait a day or two, you know, like. Right. Don't react. Respond. So if they do something that gives you a reaction, hold on to that reaction. (laughs) Think through it. And then later, make a conscious choice to respond. Oh, God. Well, it's a good idea to wait a day or two. Waiting any longer than a day or two can also cause resentments to build so that by the time you do discuss the problems, you're ready to explode. Yes. So, perfect example. My current, one of my current roommates who's moving out, um, I, you know, I did the martyr thing. Like, I built this extra shelf in the porch for our shoes, and I had already three shelves underneath it. And I just wanted everyone to put their fucking shoes on the goddamn shelves outside. (laughs) But there was overflow, so there was some shoes in this indoor closet where I keep my nicer shoes, like my Jordans and my Tims. And I came home one day, and this girl kept putting her goddamn shoes on top of my Tims. Uh -uh. But girl had space, like, to put them somewhere else, and she had a box. Anyways, every day I let it fester. I didn't say nothing. And one day, she's home. I open the closet, and I see her damn shoes on my Tims again. And I was like, person, can you please stop putting your shoes on my shoes? <laughs> She's like, I just don't have space anywhere else. I was like, 
well, just make space, okay? Like, just don't put them on my tips, all right? And then I, like, walk out. <laughs> and I never, like, cleared the air to this day. Like, I've never said sorry about that. And, and it, like, it fest- festering sucks. Festering does suck. And sometimes it's hard to figure. I kind of have, like, I've talked about this in the podcast before. I have a bitch complex where I naturally, I feel like a bitch, like, if I... Like, as an assertive woman, I've been told that I was a yeah, bitch so many times. That makes sense. And maybe, like, as a kid, I got told I was not a bitch, but whatever. But, like, too harsh or whatever. So then, like, if I have, like, an unpleasant feeling that I need to express with somebody, I'm like, oh, no. Because I don't want to create yeah. this thing where I feel like I'm being a bitch. That makes so much sense. So then me. I hold on to it and I end up actually acting like a bigger bitch. Yes. <laughs> if I had just said, like, oh, when you put your shoes on my shoes, it makes me really upset. Yes. <laughs> or uncomfortable, or I don't know. Um, this, when problems occur, uh, these things, moving forward, wait. But I think these tips can help us in everyday, like, relationships. Like, I think communication is so important, and I think I'm so bad at communication. This is here, I'm here to help. Thank you. Number this is one. why I'm so happy to be doing this with you. How you choose to communicate is just as important as communicating in the first place. Blame Anger and avoidance won't help you. Right. Instead, try taking these steps. One, establish that you're both on the same team. Yes. You both want to feel comfortable in the house and living together. Yes. Two, identify the problem. The state of the house, dust, dishes, clothes, stuff everywhere, isn't helping us feel good about where we live. Three, identify the breakdown. Why aren't we able to make this happen? Look at yourself, not just at your roommate. My work schedule has changed. Or I got a girlfriend and spend less time here. Okay. So like you, so you're identifying the breakdown and trying to take responsibility for something. Even if at first you're like, I'm a martyr, I'm perfect. You can be like, okay, I understand that maybe it's hard because blah, blah, blah. And then for start making a plan to move forward. Okay. Let's see how we can make this work for both of us. So make sure everyone has a chance to be heard. Keep the focus on the problem and how to solve it, not on who's causing it. Yeah. Cause then that shame comes in. Watch your message, body language, tone, and choice of words can alter the way an entire conversation is perceived. And this stuff's important, but I feel like in real life it plays out differently. Like oh, there was yeah. a there was a question in here, like how do I tell someone that their breath stinks? Which I thought was very helpful. Yeah. Because, the, and the way they said it was like you introduce it by saying, "I want to talk to you about something," and if you, as my friend, I would hope you would be able to have the same conversation with me. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like the best way of starting that conversation because for me, I had so much shame around, like I told you about cleanliness and like, like it all came from like, you're hairy or you're dirty or you're a dirty Mexican or whatever. Like my mom used to cook tortillas and oil and like I would put towels under my door so that I couldn't get the smell in my clothes because I didn't want to be out with my friends because I thought I would be like reinforcing their stereotypes of Mexicans or whatever. Mm. Anyways, I have all these like hangups about cleanliness and breath and smells and body odors. But like now I become frozen when I, if somebody else has it, because I don't, I have all the shame. I don't want them to feel shame. So then I just don't talk about it. But I think ultimately it can help them like in areas of like getting laid or whatever. (laughs) And then also just make like breath breath or body odor or not like, you know, BO is fine, but like, feet like us you know feet odor or whatever just you want to be able to help your friends out in those situations but i i'm the third person i'm like i think i what's it called project my shame onto them and think they won't be able to handle it yeah but i've seen so many all my people i talk to they handle everything just pretty much fine they never have meltdowns like me it's all good (laughs) so 
With roommate things, I try to keep the focus on myself. So, like, there isn't actually one good way to live. Different people like different things. And that's not, one of them's not better than the other. But, like, for me, you know, like, I am weird about, like, my different knickknacks being in exact places and not, people not putting, like, trash on, like, so, like, say I was dating somebody and I have, um, and I have, like, different setups on top of my dressers that I see, I as, see. as little altars. And yeah. so I'm like, if I'm dating somebody and they put, like, their cell phone there or, like, a sock or something, I'm like, yeah. I try to keep the focus on myself. It's not that they're wrong. Like, they see a flat surface and they have a thing to put down. That makes sense. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm a little bit weird about this. This is my weirdness. I'm owning my weirdness. I'm like, this is, this is an altar. I really need to keep this space clean. I know that's weird. But that's my thing. And you're putting it on yourself. Like, yeah. You're like, that's my bad. Not my bad, not bad, but that's but just, just my quirk. And this is my quirk. And so, like, they're not... probably tr- happy to help out. Though. Yeah. So I could be like, it makes me want to barf when I see... <laughs> like, I dated somebody that hated to see stray hairs. Um, and I just am stray hairs. Like, yeah. I am cousin it. Just, like, cruising <laughs> through the house with, like, a trail of hairs. But her saying, like, my particular weirdness, like, my anti-kink, my, like, is... <laughs> That, like, seeing stray hairs makes me want to die. And so I was like, okay. You know, like, it wasn't like she was like, you're bad because you're hairy. It was more like, no, this is my thing. It makes me want to die. Please help. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm happy to try and think about that and help you. I never think about it because it just is part of, like, I live, I sleep in a hair nest. Yeah. And, like, that's it. Oh. But so, like, with roommates, if you can be, like... I know that it doesn't seem like a big deal, but, like, it's really important to me to have toilet paper on the roll all the time <laughs> because otherwise I feel like people aren't... People aren't respecting my time because it takes me time to do that thing. And I feel like I'm taking care of other people, which I resent. So, like, I know it seems weird, but I just need people to think about that. But I, I like, I think I still have the whole bitch complex. Even then saying that, I'm like, that's, I will sit on it for six weeks to figure out how to say something that doesn't sound bitchy. By the time I say it, I say, I sound bitchy, no matter what. Because I grew up, I don't know how to talk nice. Yeah. Like, I could talk nice when I'm, like, sweet-talking somebody, but to... <laughs> To critique somebody or not critique them or to, you know, ask them to put the toilet paper on the toilet roll. I have never grew up in a house where people were like, sweetheart, like, it really blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It was like, you're a fucking slob. You're going to be worse than your fucking boy cousins and you need to fucking clean your fucking room and take a shower. Like, that's how my family was. And I had a girlfriend who was like, I really don't like it when you yell at me. And I was like, yelling means we love each other. Because that's what what my mother told me was like true about my dad and her. She was like, those families who don't argue, they're not right. They're not healthy. We argue and we vent. And that's how we show our love. And I was like, oh. Was your girlfriend into that? No. <laughs> She's like, I feel she so loved She got smaller right and smaller. <laughs> she was just like, I don't want to yell. I'm like, you better yell back because I hate when you don't yell. Like, that's how I see love. That's love to me. But going back to our mothers, my mother is a clean freak. And oh. I resented her for it. And she would always tell me, you're going to thank me one day when you're older. And I was like, no, I'm not. And then I'll be on a look, like, when I'm stressed out, I clean. When whatever, I clean. When it's Amazon Prime Day, I bought a Roomba and almost wanted to debt on it. Now I want a self-floor mopping thing, a map Roomba I found at Best Buy I saw. And that's, like, my next goal in life. Like, and now I've become my mother. Yeah. And I'm okay with it in a way because I, it helps with my anxiety to have a clean... Yeah. To have certain things in order. Yeah. Because I never... I was always a messy kid. I was always made fun of for, like, losing everything. My Me too. My family still, to this day, is, like, it's the running joke that I'm going to leave my phone or my coat or whatever, whenever I go somewhere. And I do. Yeah. 
my keys, you know. So it's very important for me now when someone taught me phone, keys, wallet. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Those three things mm-hmm. you say when you leave a house. That pretty much changed. They're like, they're like, you need a ritual. You need a handbag that carries your things. Yeah. I'm like, what? And this is like, yeah. say phone, keys, wallet when you leave. These things have changed my life drastically. And then I started feeling better and better when you can find stuff. Yeah. And, and you're you, not that stressed not just, out. That's not taking up space in your brain anymore. Exactly. I'm still a procrastinator last minute about every single thing. But still. Anyways. Oh, but I was going to say in real life, though, I've used these gentle, yeah. nonviolent things. And they don't work, even with the sweetest people. But then you may have to just, ex- like, let it go at a certain point. And be like, okay, like, they're not trying exactly. to hurt me with this. Exactly. But it is kind of like, when you put the focus on yourself, even if it's just in your head, you have to be like... They're not actually trying to hurt me and show me disrespect by not replacing the toilet paper roll. They're just different than me. And I'm and so they don't about even like they're it. disrespecting me. Well, me too. I'm just like, oh, really? Don't you see what I do for this? I've literally said, I'm like, I do so much for this house because I love it. I spend my, because I'm freelancing. Yeah. That's another thing. So you I'm can just sit at home and look time. at everything. Yeah. And she comes home and she's like, I laugh. I just think about all the little, I'll do something different every day. And she's like. You're just funny. But, like, what I mean, though, is, like, I'm freelancing. What I mean by that is, like, that I'm home too much, basically. Yeah. <laughs> She's not. So she don't give a fuck. She yeah. wants to come home and watch TV and go to bed or whatever. Yeah. And I'm, like, this is my sanctuary. I'm always here. <laughs> like, And so, I don't know where I was going. But communication. These are really good tips for communication. I think relationships, I've realized, are the most important part in life. Yeah. I suck at relationships. I'm okay at them actually, but I'm not. As, I'm not where I want to be. Yeah. And I think communication. You're still screaming. I love you. I, know. <laughs> I love you. Not just say I love you. Can't you tell by the volume? This means I love you. <laughs> like I think communication is like should be taught in school more. You know, and like this stuff can like, like I get in fights with people still to this day all the time. And this book, like if I just practice some of these things, it could help so much. It really could. I, I should say, when we have to go. Same but. with the doctors. If I just, you know, if I was a little bit more understanding of them, maybe where they were coming from. <laughs> but no, fuck the doctors. The intersex, the doctors? The intersex like, doctors, yeah. The people that are like, clitoridectomies for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, oh, actually, like, no, I'm not going to negotiate. <laughs> I'm not going to negotiate with terrorists. You're like, I understand that you think that's the right thing to do, but just so you know, that would mean that these kids don't have that forever. Exactly. Forever. Um, The last thing I say is I'm teaching in a middle school right now. And the kids all are reading this book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens by Stephen Covey, which is a teenager version of a book for adults. I've seen the adult one. But the teenager one is so, it's basically like, people want to be heard. Here's some ways of mirroring back what someone's saying. And here's how that's different than mimicking. And when people talk, they don't want you to give advice or fix it or interrupt them. They want you to express that you understand what they've said. Tara Perkins is a powerful businesswoman, a Sagittarius, and no stranger to this podcast. I've known her for about 10 years, and she never fails to amaze me with her savvy. And so I brought this question to her. What do you do if someone starts a rumor about you? I think it would would very completely depend on who it was and what it was about. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I think in, if it, you know, this is just small group of people that, that I care really what they think. And, and so I, I feel like if it was somebody outside of that, it's just like, man, who cares? Yeah. You know, let them, let them go on with it. Or if it was, if it, if it bothered me, 
um, enough that I felt like it was going to impact my life either socially or professionally, then maybe I would confront them about it. Um, Did you have to come to that kind of serenity around it? You know what I mean? Like maybe when you're younger, you hear that people don't like you or have said something about you and you get a little bit more uptight about it. Yeah, I think in, in my in my 20s, it really it, it would have bothered me. And it's also, I guess, living in a small town of Olympia, you know, you you feel like it really matters what people are saying. And, and the the buzz of the, the town is only two streets. And so the, the buzz of what's like being said about you it feels really real and it feels like very all encompassing and very important, but it's like now I'm just kind of like, Oh, unless it happens, unless it's my, my cat (laughs) or talking about me or, or Kurt or my close friends, then I I guess I just, there's, there's not a lot that, that I would care about. I mean, I, I guess I'm trying to think about, professionally I mean there, there's times when um I've heard that people haven't have said things that aren't very nice about me in a professional context but I guess that's really different than a rumor oh my yeah. face is going away sorry like they're like she's a bitchy businesswoman she is she's an a asshole. she's a ball busting businesswoman <laughs> <laughs> there's I mean there's with stuff like that I, I guess I feel like moved to correct people's impression but the the only way you can do that is just is just by by getting revenge by having an awesome and successful life so I think um you know a anytime I've heard a rumor about myself I god I can't I remember I heard a rumor that somebody started that when I was dating someone they started the rumor that we were when I was in a band we were we would wear horse masks around and someone started a rumor that that was a sex thing and that that was like part of our sex life and when that rumor got back to me it was years later but I thought it was so funny I thought it was so interesting that people cared enough to question my sex life and then make up things that were like way grander than was what was actually going on yeah that is hilarious it is hilarious um but secondly you know as I've grown older I've realized that other people's opinion of you is none of your business and furthermore, I mean, unless it's, if it's professional, then you have to tackle it. But person interpersonally, like it's none of your business what other people think of you. It's just your business, like how you guys interact. And if you keep your side of the street clean, that's all you can really do. You can't change how other people think about you, even if yeah. you feel ever, you know, super powerful. Um, so I think about that. And then I also think like it used to be, you know, when you were a younger person, like a teenager or 20 something, or when I was, you know, people would come to me and say, I heard this, I heard that. Or if you yeah. said something hurtful about someone else, that that information might get delivered by some kind of messenger. But as an adult person, I think once you clear like 25 years old, you realize that that's, that's not actually nice or helpful to anyone. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think about that. I think about that with, um, with friends that I have who do a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, like when, when people are shit talking, you're like, well, there's that old thing. Like if, if, you know, if they're, if they're shit talking one person, everyone's probably shit talking each other a little bit. And it just, to me, it's like, you know, unless it's like really poisonous, it's just kind of normal for people to blow off steam by talking to each other. And, and usually with most stuff, 
important stuff, it, it gets, if it's important and, and needs to get talked about, it gets back to you mm-hmm. eventually and it can be confronted and, or, you know, if it doesn't, then it's probably wasn't that important anyway. I'm, I, yeah, I guess, I think you're right. I think like after a certain age, you're just like, well, who cares? People, people can think their thing or have their conversations and it, it just, it's not, it doesn't impact your real life that much. But I, I do think age and, and where you live and what, what kind of access you have to a, a bigger world impacts how you feel about a rumor. Yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't have to matter. Like I have a friend, like I've had to tell different people, like, I don't want to know that. Like I had a friend, yeah. <laughs> I had a friend who used to really enjoy, she would like to report back to me about what exes were doing. And I was like, I don't want to know that. I don't need oh, to no. know that. If I wanted that kind of information, I would seek it out. But me just like trying to go have dinner with you and then you're like, I saw so-and-so with so-and-so. I'm like, I don't need to know that. That's really none of my business. Yeah, thanks Thanks for, and it's like this thing that you're supposed to respond to. Like part of the enjoyment is, yeah. (laughs) They moved out with their life, why? (laughs) How dare they? Where's their Nicole shrine? (laughs) well obviously they still have that obviously they still have that but it's like hidden somewhere um but yeah so i guess yeah at the end of the day for the the person who called who i'm assuming it's a young person about somebody spreads a rumor about you unless it's professional and it actually impacts your professional dealings if you can clear it up if it's interpersonal i would say other people's shit talking is none of your business what other people think of you is none of your business. People are going to be your friends or they're not. If you're nice to people and you're not harmful to them, the, the proof is in the pudding. You trying to like go crazy and micromanage what other people think about you is never actually going to be helpful. And, and be, you know, be, be mindful of, you know, when you're talking shit about people or complaining about people, Hey, are they just actually your friends? Why would you complain about your friends? And B, are you doing that? Cause you're feeling bad about something else and you don't know what to say. So you're just saying, whatever shit comes yeah. to your mind, which is talking shit because you're just having a bad day. So then you're like, well, this is the most, you know, this is like the most easily grabbed source material for speaking words right now. <laughs> so, and, I think it is one of the easiest complaining, not even just about people, but about things. Neg- negativity is like a good go-to. Well, I know people find common ground. I mean, it's easy for me to do. And I, but then I notice sometimes if I'm complaining about something, I'm just, you just I just have to stop and think sometimes. Like sometimes it's fun and I want to know someone's opinion about it. But sometimes yeah. it's just because like whoever I'm around, like we have nothing else to say. And so then I'm yeah. like, this is stupid, yeah. right? Or, or I don't know. <laughs> we just have nothing else more productive. But you know, actually once Beth, I was talking about some friend group in Portland and how they all were talking shit about each other. She was like, those people all talk shit about each other. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, but aren't they friends? And I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like this weird thing, like, you don't want to be around people that you're secretly hating. Or if you do secretly hate them, like, maybe don't be around them as much. Time time for a new group of friends. Yeah, it's not helpful for you to, like, hatefully be embedded in a group of friends. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. The hateful gossip reporter. <laughs> I don't feel like I, luckily, have really those kinds of friends around now. I definitely did. Old Olympia. It seems like a 20s thing. Yeah. It seems like an early 20s thing. Or late 20s if you're in Arrested Development Olympia. (laughs) Well, I know when I moved to Portland, I was so stoked because I could choose friend groups. 
So because there's more than one group of of people to hang out with. Yeah, there's more than one group of um, like other like outsider counterculture people. So if I was hanging out with people and I found that I hated them all, I could be like, oh, I just don't have to hang out with them anymore. Yeah. Unlike Kansas Next. City, you know, where I didn't, I didn't get that there. I cannot. I can't picture you there. My, it's so hard to think of. <laughs> my homeland. Yes. <laughs> Um, do you have any other advice for this young person? I don't think so. Cool, man. Thanks for answering Thanks. advice questions on Sagittarius Good luck, Matters. Good luck, person, with, with who is the ta- target of rumors. The people must be really interested in you and what you're doing. Yeah, you must be fascinating. You must be. <laughs> I, think, I think you're doing something right. Yeah, you must be totally fascinating. Keep it up, but uh, keep your side of the street clean so they can't actually say it. Yeah, that's, that's the important thing is knowing that... That you're that you're in the right. Take the high road. It's not always easy. Sometimes it really sucks, and it would really feel awesome to live in like a Trina song where you like grab somebody by their hair and pull them out of the club <laughs> for wronging you. But unfortunately, unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by. Tanya Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. If you would like advice on a future podcast, call our hotline and leave a message 971 361 9998. You can even disguise your voice if you'd like. In fact, we insist.